Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience communication. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Polly Trailer, Director of Marketing Communications at Comprise. Polly, hello. It's great to see you again and great to have you on the show. Good morning. Great to see you too, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me today. You're quite welcome. So tell us about Comprise. Great, sure. So Comprise, we are an enterprise data management company. We're located in San Jose, also have offices in India. Um, we have customers all over the world, um, typically large enterprises. And what we do, our platform will basically provide a single pane of glass into all of a company's data across all of its storage, whether that is on a storage appliance in their data center or whether they have storage in the cloud, and it takes a look at all of your data, wherever it's stored, and it helps those storage managers make good decisions about where to store it. And so we have an analytics, uh, really easy to use dashboard where you can put in different parameters and look at how much you're spending on your storage, where all your file data is, um, because sometimes we don't know, right? In, in the age of cloud, things are hidden, to help understand your overall spending and determine how you can save money. And the big problem that we are trying to solve is the just enormous growth of unstructured data. And so this is file data. This is um, data from, um, you know, your productivity applications. It could be data from sensors. It could be data from video. Um, it's really pretty much everything that's not sitting in a structured database is unstructured data. And on our phones, you know, that's like all the photos um, that we have stored on our phone. And so that data has taken up a really large chunk of storage technology space as well as capacity as well as cost and it just continues to grow um so a lot what a lot of organizations and companies don't realize is that a large percentage of data is kind of sitting rarely used rarely accessed so the analysts can go out, go out there and say hey you've got 60 percent of your data hasn't been touched in over a year you may want to think about putting that onto secondary cheaper storage. And that cheaper storage could be in your own data center. It could be in an offsite data center. It could be on Amazon or Google cloud. And so it helps you make those decisions based on age and usage and your business value. Um, and once we move that data, then you can take advantage, let's say in the cloud of using it with um, cloud-based machine learning tools. So we offer cloud native access to your data once you moved it. Uh, a lot of times when you use, let's say, a migration tool it, when you storage technology, it's going to tier that data to the cloud, but then um, does the same thing that we do. But then if you want to get to it, you basically have to bring it back. And that incurs these really expensive cloud egress fees. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it that way with Comprise. You can use it directly in the cloud or wherever you put it. So it it helps keep your costs down overall. Um throughout the whole data life cycle. So that's what we're trying to solve is making it easier to see all your data and to manage it for the best savings as well as for your specific departmental needs. And that's what we do. Okay, very interesting. So now who is your audience? You mentioned data managers. Is that the audience you're primarily trying to engage or is, is, it, is it more complex, more expansive than that? Yeah. And, and data management is tough because that term in itself is broad and that can mean, um, like BI analysts or data science people. That's not necessarily our audience. 
When we talk about data management, we're talking about people who typically have like a storage title. So that could be like a storage architect. It could be an IT manager who is responsible for storage or cloud infrastructure, et cetera. Um, but so that that's our user. And then above that, we have the buying audience. And so that's typically more of a VP or director level mm. position. It could be a VP of infrastructure, could be the CIO. So that's, um, we have, you know, as many enterprise software companies, multiple audiences, you have your users and then you have your buyers yeah. and your, and you have your influencers. So, um, that's how we define our audience, I guess. Okay. And that's, that's what makes it interesting, right? The audience is a, can be a complex beast with many moving parts. So what are your challenges in term in, in engaging this audience and how do you do it? What are your, what are your, your, your strategies? Which strategies are working for you guys? Yeah. Great question. Well, you know, we're, we're pretty young company. Um, fairly, I mean, we're, we're established, a later stage startup. We were founded in 2014. Um, so, but as a younger company um, that's trying to be scrappy, you know, we try a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so we are, you know, we do um, BBC ads, we do social media, we do, we have a blog, we do public relations, we do analyst relations, um, and we really invest heavily in content. And that goes across really all of our, our programs. And by content, I mean um, really mm-hmm. deep um, content about our product. Um, we have a lot of white papers on our site, ebooks, reports. We just did an industry survey, actually, our first one, which um, we went through a third party and surveyed on a lot of um, questions that storage people and data management people are interested in. You know, where they store it, how much it costs, how are they looking to manage it differently, et cetera. Um, so we have um, great content. We invest in that. We produce that internally. We sometimes use um, consultants or analyst firms to produce things for us. So, and we do email marketing and, and, but you know what, I'll tell you what is most effective for us probably right now. And it sounds really old school, but um, the phone, um, we have a great BDR team and we invest in BDR or SDR, whatever you want to talk about it, whatever you want to say that. And I think it's really important to be able to have a live connection. We think that uh, not just me, um, so you have to have the great content. You, you want to connect on, on email. You want to, you know, do campaigns through advertising to get people to your website. But you've really got to have somebody on the phone who can quickly explain the story, try to schedule a meeting, um, try to make a personal connection. And for us, um, that's been super effective for generating pipelines. So while we do everything, I can't say mm-hmm. that, you know, social media, um, brings in all the leads we want, or I can't say Mm -hmm. that, you know, doing PPC is the main driver of our pipeline. I think everything's important, but, you know, even in this strange time that we're in, in which you can't do anything other than digital, I think it's important to um, pick up the phone. And so we have a good team. We have a leader of that team who really trains our people on how to have the conversations so that somebody will pay attention and want to learn more. Okay, great. So uh, I, I, I know that, you know, out in the, the world of marketing, there's sort of this large ongoing debate about cold calling, right? Is it dead? Is it alive? It's more crucial than ever. Never do it. You know, 
And you're you're saying pretty clearly, like now for for you guys, it, it really works. It's a central part of your marketing. So let's go a little bit deeper into that because it can be notoriously hard to get people to take a call from someone they don't know, right? So how do you do that? How do you guys make it work? You mentioned you do good training on how to have the kind of conversations that are gonna that, that are gonna grow your business, right? What does that look like? What are your strategies when you're on when you're on the phone with your prospects? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, you know, and I would say that now, do we do cold, cold calling? You know, I think what we prefer to do is so we will do um cold nurture on email. And so we have a lead, they don't know anything about us. They may have come in through the website, they may have come in through a, you know, um a download or a webinar or something like that. And so we will try to, or, or we may just, you know, the leads come from a lot of different places these days, but we will try to engage them on email um, before we hand them over to the BDR. We try to give the BDR a lead that's like a, just a little bit warm so that they have mm. a conversation to start to, hey, I saw that you downloaded this paper. Hey, I saw that you attended the webinar, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, so that, that, you know, first of all, you know, try not to, you know, hit them, when they're they're glacial, I guess. Um, you know, <laughs> as far as like what are people actually say, um, I am not in on those calls. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have the direct line access to to what we're saying. However, um, for us, you know, what what is really resonates first of all is the cost savings. We have a really great cost savings metric. This is not something that every company has. I've worked at companies in which we felt like we did, but we couldn't always prove that. But we, you know, we're often able to show that a customer can save a big customer millions of dollars, um, 75, 70% of their storage and backup costs once they start using our solution to figure out, you know, how they can get it off all this, get all their data off the really expensive storage. Um, so we have that metric that we can use and that is appealing for sure, um, for storage people who are reporting to senior level IT people that are always trying to tamp down on these infrastructure costs. So I think that's a good one. Um, and then once we are able to, you know, get them interested, then we can start to talk about all the other parts of our solution. You know, there's parts of our solution that can help with um, ransomware. We're not a ransomware product, but the way that we can do some of the storage tiering in the cloud creates this, you know, really secure and immutable, immutable copy of your, your data in mm-hmm. the cloud. And that is a ransomware defense. So we can go down the road of other benefits, you know, being able to analyze your data, understand its usage, um, which if you have a, um, a chargeback program, your department managers want to be able to see why are we spending so much on storage? Oh, okay. Oh, I see now. Well, maybe we need to get rid of all these old files that nobody's using anymore. Um, so there's a lot of um, value points, but I think understanding what people are most interested in right now, which is, you know, saving money and controlling the cost of all this unstructured file data that is not going to slow down and they've got to do something about that. So I think figuring out, you know, what's your top value point to the customer and then getting into the bigger picture, which is that, you know, we help companies manage data, not storage and help you be able to, you know, use whatever storage technology that you want, really, and move between it and really understanding, you know, it's about the data, not the storage, which is kind of flipping how the conversation maybe was 
10, 20 years ago. Mm. So I think that's important. But I mean, I would say from my own personal experience, I get calls all the time, as do you, I'm sure, mm -hmm. to sell you things. And I usually answer my phone because I don't really mind. And if I don't know the number, I'm like, well, I answer it. You know, we're, we're on the computer all day. I don't mind talking to somebody if I have a few minutes. But if you don't take the time to be super clear and engaging within that first 10 seconds, you know, I'm going to hang up the phone. And so is everybody else. Yeah. Um, I think companies don't train their people well enough. I get calls from people all over the world. I got one the other day and the poor guy on the phone was like, I could tell he was looking at his notes. Mm. He forgot what he was trying to tell me. And by the time he got to the offer, I had lost interest. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I'm sorry, but I don't know what you're selling me or why. And I've got to go. Yeah. And so having a message that's super clear and also being friendly without sounding cheesy, you know, I mean, I love to pick the phone when someone's like, Hey, Polly, this is, this is Tom. Hey, I know you're busy and I have two minutes of your time. I just want to tell you about, you know, I know what you do and I know what you need. You know, if this is not a good time, I'll, I'll send you an email. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. And so I think delivery is great and you have to practice and you have to train and, um, we do that here and my previous companies, we did, um, you know, we did th this kind of trainings all the time and it's great. It's great to do role play. So I think mm -hmm. you've got to invest in, um, those basic phone skills and the basic pitch skills. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. I get those calls too, of course. I mean, anyone in, in business is getting calls from time to time. And for me, I'm like... You know, unless it's something that I am actively looking for, then chances are I'm, I'm probably not going to give you my time unless it's the rare caller who is really good at making it clear, like right away, this is about you and here, here's the value to you. I'm, I'm, I want to give you something that's valuable to you. I'm not trying to even sell you anything. You know what I mean? Like I don't want, cause, cause no one wants to be sold. Like you want to be kind of held captive and have to sit there and listen and then be in that awkward position of being like, eh, no, I don't want to. But if someone leads with, here's a thing, I have something for you that's going to help you. I'll just give it to you. Right. And, you know? and I think that's key. Like, like bringing up what the pain point is at the <laughs> beginning of the call. Um, you know, do you have a petabyte or more of unstructured data um, that you're trying to figure out how to manage? Yeah, I do. Okay. Can I have 30 seconds just to tell you about the way we're doing it? And if you yeah. want to hear more, then we'll talk again. So, yeah, I, I think um, making it clear what it is, what what is the challenge that you're trying to solve and knowing that there's at least a 50% chance that the person on the other end of the phone um, actually is is going to relate to what you have to say. Yeah. And, you know, I think in the larger context, too, it's so interesting about this to me is that the if you can if you can actually engage someone on the phone and get them to not hang up and and hear you out a little bit then you're having a human to human conversation and there's something that can be very powerful about that because it's a yeah. very human and natural thing to do if you're good at it right if you can actually make the conversation about the person you're talking to and not all about you you know not totally. just nattering on and on if you can do that in the right way, I think that can be so much more engaging and powerful than 
even the best white paper, you know? And I think that just because on a piece of content, there is, it's a little at arm's length. You tend to skim it, right? It's not a conversation. You're just kind of skimming it. Okay, cool. That's interesting. And then you move on. But a, a real exchange with another human being, it's, it, I think it touches literally just like parts of the brain that, you know, that, that it, it's a very different kind of experience than watching a video or reading something. I agree. I agree. And unfortunately, right now, the, you know, in terms of that connection, we still don't have a lot of options. You know, the phone is still, if you really want to make, have a live connection, the phone is still the in my way, it's really hard, right? Because people don't answer their phone. But we don't have live events for the most part yet. They're yeah. a little bit, but you know, now some <clears> of the big ones are shutting back down. Yeah. Um, and you do have webinars, but that's a one way. It's not two way. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, however you can figure out a way to connect with somebody, and it, sometimes it could be a message on LinkedIn, and sometimes it yeah. could be an, an email, but however you can personalize it versus just, and not just sell from the get-go. You know, whenever I, I accept a LinkedIn connection, I hesitate because I'm like, they're just going to sell me immediately. But you know, Mm -hmm. it's a ploy. Like I'm trying to build my network. We have similar interests. And then an hour later I get the email pitch. It's like, well, no, right. You just, you're just trying to sell me. Right. Well, my, my, my favorite on LinkedIn is when someone doesn't even, they just start selling right away. Like, hey, I found you on LinkedIn. I thought you might be interested in X. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, or even if I kind of am, I'm like, eh, I'm not just going to respond to someone completely out of the blue who I who clearly isn't interested in me for what I'm doing or who I am or even wants to get to know me. They just want to sell me their stuff. Yeah. Send me an article. Give me something first. Um, yeah. Get me interested in you and your company before you just immediately, you know, ask me to set up a demo call. Because like there there are, because you have competitors, right? It's not like you're the only person offering whatever it is you're offering. I can just as easily go check out, you know, even if I am kind of looking for that, I might just go look at, do a quick Google search and find a hundred other people who can do sort of the same thing, you know, and they didn't bother me on LinkedIn. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and waste my time. Yeah. No. Uh, yep. Everybody has a competitor. And sometimes the biggest one is, is the choice to not do anything. Yeah. yeah um, that's right. Because, you know, it's just yeah. more time on our plates, right. To have to talk to a vendor. Um, so I think it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. the old adage about, you know, relationship marketing. It, it's a process and you got to be patient. Adage. I like that. <laughs> You could, you could, I think you can also pronounce it ad. Maybe that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. Oh, but I, I prefer adage. That sounds so much more elegant. Yeah. I, I don't know. You, you probably said it correctly, but, but anyhow, the point is like that. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I, I think it's almost like, I think like when you go out to market, think about how you would want to feel on the other end of either the email or the phone call. Would you want to be pitched that yes. way? Would you want someone, you know, don't you find it annoying? Well, then how else can you, can you approach the conversation? Yeah. And that's a tough one though, right? I mean, that is a tough one. Like pretty much, I don't know that anyone would be like, oh yeah, I love to be pitched. I just love it when people, no one really likes that, but like there are, you know, how else exactly do you do it? I mean, that's sort of the, uh, that's, that's why 
that's why there are marketing professionals to think about that. People like yourself who can be creative and come up with better ways and create the, the, the content that you guys do. I mean, that's the whole value proposition of content marketing, right? That you're offering value right away and then letting people come to you. Well, we, we try. We can help. And, you know, I think, um, I think also, you know, there's, there's the challenge of when you have, uh, multiple influencers, which is common in B2B industry, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to tailor your message a little bit differently to those audiences. And that's something that, Mm -hmm. um, I think Mm -hmm. as a company matures, they learn how to do that. And so that's. And I think you're yes. always kind of finessing that a little bit. Um, you have to. Yeah, right. I, I totally agree. I think you have to. It, it's There's always more you can learn about your audience, right? You can always align better with their needs and interests. Really a process that probably never ends. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, let's sum it up a little bit. What would be your main takeaway for our listeners, something you've learned throughout your career uh, that our listeners could put to use to engage their audiences? Yeah. Well, I have a background in journalism, so I feel like I learned a lot about marketing from being a journalist um, Mm -hmm. because I was pitched all the time by PR people and I talked to vendors Mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing. Um, And I I think one of the most important things is... um, in marketing, whether this is PR, social media, any type of content or an event, don't always make it all about yourself. You know, how can you talk about your technology in ways that are much more impactful and and not even talk about your technology? So we all are business people. We're all employees. We're all parents. We're all coworkers. Um, and we're all interested in the economy and in things like that. And so as a marketer, I think it's great to be able to figure out how to connect your company and story and your leaders into the bigger topics. So, you know, what's going on in the tech industry? Can we provide um, a perspective on um, startups that could be helpful to others? Can we provide as a software company a perspective on software development that could help others? And it's not necessarily helping ourselves, but when you do that, you become more credible as a company that has more to offer than just its solution. And also it helps with brand awareness because you're getting into different kinds of conversations. And so I would say that's yeah. the first one. Um, and then another one that, um, that to me is really hard to do, especially in um, science and technology, because it's very complex. But <clears throat> if you make it too hard to understand what you do, then you've lost the market from the first time they go to their website. Mm. So if you go to a website and you have four qualifiers before the name of your product or your value statement is um, a sentence with three phrases and, and you know, 10 benefits, you know, someone's going to mm. say, I really have no idea and I don't have time for this and they're going to leave. So yeah. Yeah. I always try to push back Sometimes when people get excited about talking about everything on our technology, like what are the three things or maybe today, what's the one thing that we should talk about on this piece of content or in this post or in this press release or whatever. We don't need to say it all. We need to just focus 
um, so that somebody can understand quickly who you are and what you do. And they don't have to go down into uh, three sub pages in your website to try to figure it out. Mm. Um, And that's really hard to do when you have a complex piece of enterprise software. But I think it's important to try to do that every single day. And that also um, includes, you know, your salespeople and your good BDRs and salespeople can break it down. And marketing people love words, but we can really shoot ourselves in the foot by making it too fancy. Yeah. And I, that, that is so true. And, and it's, it can be hard to do because as a salesperson or if you're in BDR and marketing, of course you believe deeply in your own product, at least you should. Right. And, and you spend a lot of time learning about its intricacies and, and it's, you're excited to want to let everyone know, here's everything our product can do. But I think one of the hard truths that you learn over time is no one really cares. No one really cares until, until they do, until you've earned their trust and the right to tell them all that stuff. First, it has to be all about them. What outcome are they going to get from this, right? What, what is it that this is going to do that aligns kind of perfectly with their deep-seated anxieties and fears and hopes and all that stuff? I mean, people think about themselves. We all do. Just that's one of the keys. Like it has to be pretty much 100% about the prospect. And only later, only once you've developed that relationship, can you get into the nitty gritty of, okay, here's, here's what we do. Exactly. Exactly. You know, express an interest in your customer and their business. And I think that can go a long way. Um, and, you know, don't take ourselves so seriously, you know, just because we work in technology doesn't mean it's, it needs to be so serious. I, I think, you know, yeah. Yeah. we can have fun. We can make jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Make some jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, Polly, thank you so much. There's so much more we could talk about, but we're coming up on half an hour. So I, I'm, we got to wrap it up. So thank you so much for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I did too. It was a lot of fun, Jeremy. I, I hope to cross paths again. And um, thank you so much for the opportunity. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.